0: My wife and I went shopping for a new pair of shoes for my son, and I knelt down to see if they were going to fit. And I said to my wife, babe, I don't think these shoes are going to work. They're a little bit too big. And she said, no, 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 they're perfect. He has room to grow. And I thought to myself, don't we all? Welcome back to the Brave Word Room to Grow podcast. If you're just joining me, I am Pedro Latore, and I have a really good friend joining me today. We both have coffee. We are both in our kids' rooms, <laughs> and it's going to be a fantastic day. I got a little frothy monkey. If you're a you know, you know what that monkey means. It means good coffee, good, good, good coffee. Uh, today, we are back um, for this installment. I like calling them installments because it makes me think of college and uh, having to pay installments to the government. And um, yeah, so we're going to chat today. We're going to have a really, really good time. His, his background is bar none the best background we've ever had. I mean, look at this. Look at this. <laughs> it's fantastic. If you're, if you're listening on the podcast and you can't see what I'm saying right now, just picture colorful, beautiful cartoons on the wall, basketball, play basketballs in the background. I mean, it's like it's funville. It is. It's fun. Uh, So Jeremy is a newer friend of mine. We we really just met on all intents and purposes pretty, pretty recently uh, through a series of uh, us buying my wife and I buying a home in Tennessee in Nashville. And um, he helped us on the homeowners insurance side of things and all the all the things that come with grown up stuff. Uh, which we might talk about some of that today just for fun. But um, and then we realized, oh, my gosh, like we've literally crossed paths in probably numerous cities over the years because he was in the music industry, touring, playing music, writing music, advancing shows, doing it all. And so uh, my favorite question to start with on every podcast is today let's picture you're on a plane you probably haven't been on one in a minute but you're on a plane and somebody said hey man like what do you do like how would you explain to people what you do at this moment in your life
1: well thank you for the introduction and uh, I will say that that's always a really tough question for me Um, and I feel like it's always a tough question for people in our position because we don't just do one thing Hmm. like I haven't done just one thing that was like, oh, this is what I am. This is what I do. It's like, oh, I do this, 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 and this, and I spend most of my time doing this. Um, So right now I would tell people that um, I'm in risk management with insurance, you know, with country financial. And, uh, you know, that's what I do and what I love during the daytime. And then I also own a booking agency uh, for booking concerts for artists speakers things like that and then i also own a studio uh which is in use by someone else right now which is why i'm in my daughter's room Uh, which if i was on the plane i wouldn't be there but yeah that's 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 kind of what i do in a nutshell and everybody's it's those things are all a little bit different there i guess insurance i love it so i got questions right out the gate i'm sorry for that no
0: you're good yes you go you're for an important it. man. You're an important man. Listen, you just listed all the things you're doing. You're an important
1: man. All right, I'm back.
0: You're good. So you do you you're wearing multiple hats, so to speak. Like yes. you're doing multiple different things. How is it for you? Are you able to move in all these different things very fluidly, or it because that's a <clears> true? You sound like a true entrepreneur, right? Like you're doing yeah. multiple different things. Uh, for most people, they would hear that and they would take a really deep breath after you said it and they would be a little (laughs) bit tight chested and a little anxious and they'd be like, are you okay? Like, (laughs) and you'd be like, yeah, I'm great. I'm actually (laughs) taking up a Pilates class, you know? Yeah.
1: Doing something (laughs) new, man. You know, uh, it's balance, man. And in balancing act, I feel like I've been trying to, uh, juggle these things for, you know, for nearly 20 years. Ah, uh, for ten years it was just touring with the band. You know, I was I toured with a band for eighteen years, but for ten of those it was nothing. But hey, I'm going to be in the music industry. I'm playing guitar. That's all I did. Um, but you know, once you start having kids, you realize, hey, man, I need more money than what I can make in a Christian rock band. So, um, I mean, God blessed us in huge ways. So I'm not complaining about that. But I needed to provide more. So. And help the band out more, so I started the booking agency. And those things kind of, it was a balancing act because when you're in a band, you're having to work on the road to help the band, but plus you're like, hey, I got to run this business too. So, but those tied in pretty close together. It wasn't that big of a juggling act. Throwing in the studio uh, was a little bit tougher, you know. And then, you know, I ended up uh, in 2018. I had to stop touring because I had so much production work to do in the studio that I couldn't, I I literally, I had the conversation with the lead singer. I was like, man, I mean, he, he owns a record label and these artists I was producing were for his label. I said, I can't finish these projects. If I'm touring as well and booking, there's just no way I can do it. So that was kind of like, that was kind of the point where you're like, okay, now all these different hats that I'm wearing are starting to like, they don't fit as well anymore. I have to take one of them off and set it on the side for a minute. And uh, so I did that so I could finish all those albums. And that was really the beginning of of me figuring out that I had I had to do something different with my life, you know. And so uh, I, I, at that point, I'd been touring for 18 years, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands of albums sold, awards, played all over the world, number ones, and then I got three kids. So I'm like, you know what? I can't, I, I love the band. I'm still in it. I'm still part of it. I just don't tour. Um, but you have to make, you have to make some concessions here, man. You have to move things around and and pick the things that are going to be most beneficial to everyone. Um, and your family first, Mm -hmm. you know, so it was more beneficial, uh, for me to be able to stay home with my family and work the studio and the booking. And then, have a guy that's 24 years old or however old he is go out on the road because that's all he wants to do. And the only thing he has time to do is just play guitar. Uh, so it was a good concession. It made it where they could carry on no problem and I could carry on. Um, but you know, throwing in insurance with that, which is, you know, I started in insurance actually before I moved to Tennessee uh, I don't know if I told you that, but I was actually, I got my license in Alabama before I ever moved to Nashville. I quit music to do to do insurance back then. And God pulled me back into it. and was like, I'm not done. And then have an 18-year career, you know, did all those things. Um, but, yeah, the balance is not easy, man. The balance mm-hmm. is not easy. And right now I'm still learning and growing, trying to figure out, God, how can I – do insurance as well as I possibly can and serve that because it's such a great opportunity that that I prayed hard about and he opened up that door while still serving the artist and you know um, doing what I'm supposed to do for them in the booking agency and then the studio is kind of the last thing for me it's the last it's the last part of the puzzle that I put in when I can I fit it in when I can because it's not the thing that um, uh, it's not the thing that makes me the most money. And it's also not the thing that, uh, matters most to all the people that I'm invested with. The yeah. booking agency is important to those artists in a big way. The insurance is important to my family in a huge way. A studio is good whenever I can make it work. Yeah. That's cool. Balancing act. Yeah. I think it's fascinating as I'm listening, man, because,
0: and I want to kind of go back to this because it would be easy for us to have this conversation as a flyby, right? And everyone listen to that and be like, wow, that's crazy. Like, that's cool, man. Good for you, right? But I love story and I love kind of leaning into a portion of your life for a second. And I'm I'm really curious about this, actually. When your 18-year career, you're doing this 18 years. Like, that's a long time to – you. you raised – you, you, you had this crazy idea at some point that I could, I could make it, I could play music. I could, you know, do something that could encourage people and change lives. And then you did it. And yeah. then you had to like water that thing for a long time. And then it started to grow and then it was like it bearing fruit. And then all of a sudden one day at some point there was this like, wait a minute, I could serve my family in a, in a better way. I need to pivot and I've been really leaning in with people in these conversations going, what was that pivot like? Because at 18 years doing anything, there's grief that comes with letting go of it. No matter what you're stepping into next, even if it's to serve your family, better, be a better father. And I think sometimes in culture, we sort of do the like, oh man, that's really noble of you. But we don't talk about the grief that comes with letting yeah. go of something. Now you're still involved on some level. And so maybe there's some of that, that you don't necessarily feel, but I know from being on the road, like stepping off a bus and going, I mean, I remember the last show I played, we were on tour with Big Daddy Weave and I was playing drums with Group One Crew. And I remember that I wept before I went on the drum kit to play that last show. I mean, I just cried like a baby, not because I was was like, am I doing the right thing? Like, no, I knew exactly like I'm doing the right thing, but sometimes doing the right thing uh, there's tears involved and there's heartache involved and we don't talk about that as men but like what was that journey like for you of letting go of something for the right reasons, but it's nonetheless still it's still hard
1: Yeah, dude, you're right on you're spot on man. I I just started playing music when I was 14 and when I moved to nashville uh I didn't think that there was never a point in me that thought like, uh, I'm not going to make the, I'm not going to make it. What do I do if this doesn't work out? Like I was just really naive, which I'm glad I was because I might've chickened out at certain points, you know, but I was just like, yeah, it's going to happen. You know, I just don't know when. Mm -hmm. And really that mentality followed all the way through my career with seventh day slumber playing guitar. Like dude, this band has scratched and clawed from day one. And we're still scratching and clawing, you know, Uh, and there's good and there's bad, bad about that. We never rested on our laurels of selling, you know, oh, this album sold 150,000 units. We got a number one. We got a dove award. We never rested on those things like because the bills keep coming in. The people are still hurting. The people are still asking for for music like it's a nonstop grind nonstop there's broken down buses on the side of the road you're out at 3 a.m working on the generator so you know there's air conditioning in the bus in the middle of the summer there's you're it's a it's a constant grind and the whole time every time you write a record you're like is this going to be the one that where we make it you know where we get there and then you know at some point I remember maybe maybe Probably six, seven years ago, I started thinking, man, we made it like 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. you know, and this whole time we're grinding, trying to make it and everybody else is looking in and going, wow, it must be cool that you guys have made it. And we're just like, we're, we're hustling, man. And so it's a grind. It was a grind until the day I, I stepped off the road. Um, and it was a beautiful thing too. The things that we were able to do and accomplish, you just, to have those opportunities is gold, man. It's beautiful, and God was so good to us. He's still good to them. I don't really take much part in the band now except for maybe some songwriting and stuff, but I, whenever I made the decision like to come off the road, it seemed like an easy decision because I thought, well, oh, I'm going to go back. But the more I stayed off the road, I realized I'm not going to be going back. I did one more tour, like 40 dates. And then, uh, and that was it. But I knew the last, the last show, you know, I was like, this is it. And, uh, but I was, you know, really praying the entire time. Um, Sorry, this thing's trying to go crazy on me. Oh, you're good. Okay. I was praying the entire time because in 2018 is when I got the job offer from, Mm -hmm. from the country financial to do the insurance. And I knew, I knew when they offered me that job I didn't go looking for it they called me asking for it because it's a long another story but they called me asking about it and I was thinking that's where I'm going to end up I know it but all I've done since I was 14 is music and what can I really do this is this something I can't really do this I can't quit music I'm still like I'm still booking and got the studio I'm that was easy. That's an easy transition because you're still doing the thing that everybody expects you to do. Uh, insurance is not what everybody's expecting you to do. And so I prayed every single night, God, give me clarity. Give me wisdom. Give, give me an answer. What am I supposed to do? Do I take this job or do I not? And I was asking pastors that I knew, friends that I thought were closer to God than me. <laughs> you know, I'm like, hey, what, what do you think I should do? And, uh, you know, it really came down to, um, I w- my heart was in such the right place in making the decision that I kept hearing over and over, God's going to bless whatever you do, whichever decision you make, there's not a right or wrong, just do it. Just make your mind up what you want to do. And really God, um, you know, finally made that decision for me. And, uh, I just felt peace about going to work with country financial and, and really pivoting to do that. But it it was not, it wasn't heartbreaking when I finally made that decision to Mm. go to do that. The whole two years, I I promise, I wish I had made this decision two years earlier because the two years was agony, man. It was really agony. It's all I thought about every day was, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And it would have just been so much easier if I would have just, you know, said, okay, let me just make this happen. But Mm it's not like opening up your uh, another business that if it fails i'll just keep doing what i'm doing like this was a pivot for me if i'm gonna do it i'm all in bro and uh because you know the country financial deserves that from me and my family deserves it from me If i'm gonna put my time into it i'm gonna do it full full out man um so, I don't know if that answered your question. Not talking. No, it's good,
0: man. I, I love getting to hear the process. So, I love you doing this because it's helpful, I think, for our listeners, even for me as a human being, just to listen and go, oh, man, it's so cool to hear somebody else's process and that it's not all linear. You know, I think a lot of times we think everyone's processes are linear. It's like, because we can go back and tell a story, but it's like writing yeah. a song, right? Like, if we showed people how we write songs, they would be like, wow, this is messy. Like you got some <laughs> random voice memo idea right before you went in the yeah. shower. You recorded it and the shower's going. Your kids are screaming in the background. You heard this cool little melody. You put it in and then you took that into the studio, showed the guys. They all laughed because the shower yeah. and the kids. And they were like, but we totally get it. And then they were like, well, what if we did this? And then you decide it's supposed to be fast and not slow. And then like, it's just all, it's like, there's no remedy. And then by the time it's done, it, it's, a hundred times different than where it started, and but that is such a picture of life. Like it's not linear. It's not like oh yeah, I had this perfect thing and it came to me, and then I just did it and it was perfect and it was easy. Yeah. It's like even the best things in our lives aren't linear and they're not easy and they're not simple. And I think entrepreneurs feel that, like we know that because we're trying. Usually, we're like we talked about recently. We're trying things and we're teaching things simultaneously. And to be a leader, a father. You have to try things and you, you got to teach your kids these things simultaneously because you're, you're still a kid who's growing up and your kids are raising you. And we think it's the other way around. It's like I'm learning this more and more every day is like as a father, my kids are raising me. My, my son is raising me, you know, dropping him off at pre-K yesterday for the first time. Uh, and, and just being like trying not to cry with the sunglasses on, doing that cry where you're like, your wife's trying to ask yeah. and you're like, I don't want to answer. Cause she's going to know I'm crying if I answer the question, you know? <laughs> you know? And it's like learning to let go of your child or let go of a dream is a part of growth. Yeah. And sometimes it's easy to talk about the things that we're going to grab onto. What's the brave work you're going to do with your life. But part of brave work, and you're an example of this is, letting go of something and going, yeah, this is, this is hard. I'm going to let go of this because that was a season of my life. And I might have some, still some strings attached to it in some ways, but for the most part, I'm letting go of that to fully embrace this other thing. So there's something else that you said that I want to lean into, which was, and I love this. So you talked about, um, realizing you made it right looking back like guys we made it like 10 years ago what are we talking about so I'm interested in that because I'm like well is that a a metrics things and numbers album sold all that or was there a definition 10 years in of happiness and making it that changed from when you started was there a realization that you had that that shifted your perspective on what making it really was
1: I think you know there's definitely not like a there's not like a certain date or a an album number sale that I look back and say, that's when we made it. But um, for me, like I, my personality is even though I could look back and say that we made it, I couldn't just smile in that. Some, some people like you think that you see these, these stars or these actors or these musicians on TV, whatever it is on Instagram, Facebook, and you know that they're, they're wildly successful. And you just imagine, man, if I was in that position, I'd wake up happy every day. I'd be walking around with a smile on my face because I got millions of fans. I got money in the bank. What's, what could be wrong? It can't, nothing can be that bad. You know, that, I mean, if you had that kind of success, then I would be happy. And we all know that that's, you know, not true. And, uh, but, I think that as an artist, for me, I was constantly looking for, you know, you don't you don't put that into perspective. Like, oh, if I can just hit a million records sold, or if I hit, you know, ten thousand dollars per concert, you know, that, or whatever it is that that you're like, if we can get to this point, then we've made it. No, I didn't ever put it into that perspective, but I think it was. I think that part left it open-ended to help me just keep pushing and grinding to a point where I didn't even really know where I was going, which is not great. You know, it's not a good thing necessarily, but it can be good to keep your fire burning. But man, I think it, for me, it was not a great thing because I missed a lot of things along the way. You know, you've all all heard, you know, you got to stop and smell the roses. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I would have those moments, you know, the last five or six years that I was, you know, touring where I stopped and smelled the roses and would just think, man, I live in a nice, really nice house. I've got paid off cars. I've got a beautiful wife and kids. I haven't wondered how am I going to afford to buy food, you know, since I was 22 years old. I've had a really good last 20 years when you look at all this stuff and I was in a band making money doing that, like, I know there was other things, you know, that I was doing hustling to to provide, but gosh, if you just sit and think about where you're at, and you tell people, yeah, I'm in a band. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And those are the moments where you're like, man, God has been good. He's been faithful, even though I was not. He's given me more than all the things that I asked for. And I'm still looking for more. And so that's that's why I didn't think it was very healthy for me, and I think that's just part of my, um, part of my character or not character, but just the things that I. That's part of my flaws, you know, is not being able to stop and smell the roses every day. You know, yeah. I see my kids every day, and I sometimes I just stare at them. You know that yeah. feeling when you're just staring yeah. at them. You're like, I can't believe you're my kid. Like that's so awesome. <laughs> Same thing with my wife you know, even after almost 19 years, you stare, I was looking at her at the refrigerator. She was filling up the coffee carafe with, uh, you know, or care however you say it with water. And I was just staring at her and and she wasn't like dressed up or anything. she had on her sweats t-shirt. And I was just like, man, God, God is good, man. I Mm -hmm. can't believe that you're my wife. Mm -hmm. So there's all these things that God's given to me over these years that should have been moments where you're just like, those are the things that make you smile all day long because yeah. what could be so bad, but us as humans, we always want more. Yes. And uh, I wish that I could look back on it and say that we hit a certain point. And after that, every day I woke up hunky dory and was like, yeah, dude, we're in a touring band and got a record <laughs> deal and bills are paid. Life is good, but that's just not the way it was, man.
0: And I, I think it's interesting because I appreciate you sharing all that. It's awesome. There's something there's something I've been brewing on and I haven't vocalized it. So here, here it goes, but for better, for worse. <laughs> um, it's interesting that like when an entrepreneur or creative is trying to pioneer something in its early stages, right? In its early stages, there's something really awesome and necessary about not having clarity on what a win is or what mm-hmm. success is. Because it makes you so driven without a ceiling. Because the reality is if we said, success is a hundred thousand records sold, the whole crew, the band, the management, everyone would go great. That's the goal. And we'd get there and we all go, okay, well, we did it. Let's shut it all down (laughs) or whatever. It'd be like party at CC's pizza. You know, we did it. There's something so interesting though, because it's like having no goal in the beginning or no vision is almost like strangely for an entrepreneur. It's like, it sounds so backwards. It's like, it's actually kind of necessary for us, like because it's like it's what makes us just hungry to be great and serve the world and, and go for it. But there's at some point in our lives, we have to come to a place where we define what success is and define what happiness is. And this is interesting because what if what if we started defining that in the beginning? What would the what would the journey uh, what would have had held for you that it didn't? At some point, like, could you have learned early on to pace yourself differently? Would you have not stayed up until 3 a.m. working the set out? Would you not have been as driven on the song that day and been like, we'll get to it tomorrow? But would that have cost you something in the long game over many, many years? Maybe more time. Maybe you would still be touring because you didn't all that time would have added up. So I guess there's a question laden within this that I want to ask you now, which is, What is the definition of happiness now for you in this moment of your life?
1: I want to, I'm going to answer this, but I'm glad that you brought that up because I was thinking about as far as the being, having the backwards view of things, I think with an entrepreneur, anybody that's starting a business, you kind of have to have a vision for what you're wanting to do, you know, even if it's rough, but I think with a most with most ventures you have to leave room for the un the unseen things that like you have to leave room for god to add to this and say hey your vision was cool but if you're open to that to to what i have to offer you there's another part of this vision that you didn't see that's going to give you more joy and more fulfillment than you had thought and it can you know that for me is was a big deal like i just wanted to be a guitar player but i was open to the vision of i never like thought about starting a booking agency but that was part of it i never wanted to start a studio but god planted that in my heart and i was like okay i'll do it you know those are things that you have to be open to uh you can't be so pinpointed towards your goal that you miss the other things that god has for you And Because sometimes those things that he pulls into view are the things that make you happier than what you thought would. It's it's Mm -hmm. kind of like God will take you places that you you thought this was going to be awesome, but God really wants to take you here. You know, probably way up here, but you know what I'm saying. So I wanted to speak to that because I was feeling that too. Um, Mm -hmm. Happiness for me, man, at 42 years old is is laughing and playing with my kids and when my kids the every morning they come down I'm sitting on the couch drinking coffee one of my favorite parts of the day is when they come down first thing and they snuggle up to me put their head on me they don't talk they just want to be right next to me man and you know Mm. when you get older and you got children those things you realize Uh, all these as entrepreneurs, we have all these dreams, all these visions, all these things that we want to achieve. And when you have a family at a certain, and you can still do those things with your family there. God doesn't try to pull those things away from you just because you have children. But at a certain point, you realize that there's nothing on this planet that's more important than your wife and your kids. Mm. And that has been the greatest balancing act for me that I fail a lot of the times because I am so driven with my business, with my, with my studios, all the, all the things that I'm doing to provide for my family. And I feel like are callings in my life, all those things I have to put in, I have to weigh them against the time with my family. And man, I, there's no magical, uh, equation out there for that. There's, there's probably books, I'm sure, how to, how to balance your time between work and family. Uh, but I fail that more than I win that. And uh, that is, that's, a, that's not a good feeling when you realize what you've done. Like when you're on your phone trying to type in an email and you're your girl, your daughter comes up to you with some little paper puppet that she made, and she wants you to look at it. And you're like, "Give me a second, baby. I'm I'm finishing this email," and then she walks away while you're trying to finish the email, and you realize, "I just blew it, man. Who cares who is on the other line, on the other side of this phone? I mean, who cares? That person can wait. Your daughter, she can't wait. She needs daddy, and so." I know uh, some of the people on that are watching will have kids and you'll get it. And it's okay that you failed. It's okay. Understand that you failed and try to do the best thing, try to do the right thing, try to change it. And I, and my family knows that I'm trying to do the best I can to balance. So they they have a lot of grace for me. Thank, thankfully. Uh, but I would say that's the biggest thing that I'm working on right now mm that's the thing that I talk about in my men's group. And I'm like, dude, I'm trying to teach my kids. I want them to learn all the things. I I, I want them to learn the things that I learned when I was their age from Mm -hmm. my dad. And I want them to, I don't ever want them to look back and say, yeah, dad was working all the time and never spent time with me. And I couldn't get his attention because he was always looking at his phone. And uh, man, that's a, that's a real bummer to think about that doing that to your, your kids. So I'm struggling with that, but I'm, I'm working on it.
0: Yeah. So, well, I think we all are. (laughs) So welcome to the club. You know, the, the thing about that, that's really cool is there's this quote I heard a long time ago that I share a lot on this room to grow podcast. And that is, uh, it's by a guy named Don Harold. And he says, unhappiness is not knowing what you want and killing yourself to get it. And I think that is the thing As fathers, we have to kind of, and as leaders and as entrepreneurs and creatives, if you're not a parent and you're listening right now, it's the thing I think we always have to keep leaning into is it's not about our schedule as much as it is our definition. So we have to define what is happiness and then that should inform the schedule because if we start with the schedule it's just managing chaos it's like taking yes. spaghetti and trying to figure out how to noodle by noodle figure out where where life belongs and what bucket and it's nearly impossible to pull off and it wasn't for me until i shifted out of the mindset of yeah i'm going to i'm just going to do a whole bunch of stuff and like see what happens versus I'm going to sit down and define what a brave life looks like, what a happy life looks like. What does that actually look like? What is the definition of that? And whatever that sentence, it was a sentence for me. Uh, And that sentence became a process. So um, that thing for me is what now informs the schedule as opposed to my schedule sort of trying to fit around my definition of happiness. Because the reality is like your schedule will not. Your schedule is in my opinion, is like a kamikaze, like your schedule is just like, I'm willing to just wreck your life at all costs, and I'll kick you in the teeth to do it. And so it wasn't until like, I started going, what is my definition of happiness? How does that inform my schedule that everything changed? And then that now for us is the new, the new struggle for us becomes pace, which is the word I feel like I'm, I'm leaning into the most right now. Um, I'm good at allowing my my definition to inform my process or in, in, in uh, faith space, we would say, you know, our theology to inform our methodology, right? That I got it. But now the pace at which I'm going to move and do my life is a whole other thing. And when you're in transition, which entrepreneurs, I think uh, there should be a new definition for entrepreneur. I looked up the definition uh, in a conversation this morning with my wife, and it basically just says, Uh, Someone who takes on a greater than normal risk, uh, a financial risk specifically. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, that's kind of it, but there's so much more than just that really weak definition. I mean, a lot of being an entrepreneur is learning how to pivot in the midst of painful moments. Uh, It's learning how to be creative when the world's saying, go clock in at a job and just work that job. Uh, It's learning when to do what's wise over what you want. And that sometimes is, yeah, you should go clock in at that job, (laughs) build your dream job on the side, you know, like it's wisdom. And so I'm interested for you, like, as you know, we'll kind of close down. I won't keep you on too long, but, um, there's so much gold in this conversation. I'm interested for you. What is, what is moving forward in your life? What does pace look like? Um, I know you have an assistant, you know, I've worked with you. Um, she's awesome. And so I know, I know like for you, like you're learning this thing in real time because you're, you are wearing multiple hats. You're still, your creativity doesn't change because you're working for uh, a different organization. It's not like you're still a great storyteller. You're still uh, passionate about what you do. You still want to see people's lives changed how do you pace all of that? Like, what does pacing look like? When I even say that word, like, hey man, what is it like? I guess the deeper question is, is the way you're living life right now sustainable for the next 30 years, 40 years of your life? Um, and if so, what? How, how did you figure that out? How did you figure out how to pace yourself? And if there's areas where you're like, yeah, there's some areas, man, I'm not pacing so well. Like, what are those areas that could help us kind of lean in and, and maybe relate?
1: No, this, this pace I'm at right now is, uh, there has to be more clarity. Like I said, I'm 42, right. And I'm not going to be working. I I am not the guy that's going to be working until I'm 80, uh, doing this or things will change. Um, I'm working, I've been hustling and busting my butt for the last 20 years with the band and scraping and clawing and uh that's part of the beauty of insurance because the more I scrape and claw in the beginning, the more it just keeps building and to get me to a point where I can I I know that there's going to be enough money coming in to where I'm not starting over at zero every year. Okay. So Uh, And so that will take that off the plate for me, which it's already kind of done that switching over to insurance. Financially, it's taken a lot off my plate. Um, So I don't I don't worry about that as much. But pacing, I feel like I'm going I'm going to have to really focus in on. On the marketing side of what I'm doing to allow the business to come to me you know, instead of scraping and clawing to get out to it, I needed to come to me. And so that is the sustainable way for me, like with my, my assistant, to have her helping me out. I'm going to build it with more people coming on board with me uh, so I can focus my time on the things that are the best thing for me to do. Um, you know, I have her now to do all the the paperwork and the back end stuff that is like, you know, Hey, anybody can do this. I don't need to be doing that. You have to focus on the things that are in your tier, not the other tiers. There's other people that are better at that than me. Victoria is my assistant. She's better at that stuff than me. Uh, If I spent all my time doing it, I'd probably be really good at it, but that's not what I'm good at. God put me in a position to where I can have these conversations and have a conversation with somebody one-on-one and help them figure out what they need to protect their assets. That's what I'm doing right now. God put me in the position in the studio to, uh, to not push buttons, you know, to say, Hey, I think we need to change that chord and do this with it so that it changes the me- It makes the melody pop a little better, or, Hey, we need to cut this pre chorus out. God put me in that position there because that's, he wants me to do that you know, you have to, you have to see where you're going and play the role that gets you there the fastest. And sometimes that means delegating the stuff that you don't want to do and stuff that you're not good at to somebody else. And, um, moving forward, man, I, the studio will probably end up falling off the things, uh, the, it's going to fall off from the things that I do because it takes the most amount of my time and makes me the least amount of money. And when you're talking about entrepreneurship, that's a big deal, right? It's a big deal. Uh, the booking, uh, I'm, I'm currently trying to hand it over to somebody that can run that for me. Um, that has more time to do it than I do. And I'm going to focus mostly on insurance. Um, And as far as, uh, you know, making a difference in people's life, it's a different kind of insurance is a different kind of uh, making an impact on somebody's life than writing a song about God that's helping them when they're hurting. It's a different thing. Uh, It's still fulfilling to me, which is strange to everybody on the outside of insurance, but I love it. Um, But I'm still involved. I think through the booking agency and I manage one of the artists that I book and I've produced for me, I feel like that's my way of writing songs with that person. I see those songs changing people's lives and I'm still kind of living vicariously through that. And I love that. I love taking all the knowledge that I've learned through 20 years in the music business and trying to help these newer artists jump over some of those things that I fell into you know, mm-hmm. like, Hey, don't step in that. That's going to take you a while to get out of. Yeah. Um, so I live vicariously that way, still some, and I love it. Even if it's not a big money maker for me, I love doing it because it's meaningful. Yeah. Um, but man with an entrepreneur, somebody that's pivoting, somebody that's to me, it's the, it's the person that says, Hey, I'm not going to do the standard thing that everybody else is doing to make money. Uh, I'm going to build something that's mine. And even though I work for a company, country financial, the business is mine. Nobody, they don't know that I'm coming into the office or not today. They don't care. As long as I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, it's my business. It rises and falls on my shoulders. That's the thing about being an entrepreneur. You know, it rises and falls with you. It's not dictated by somebody else. It's dictated by me. And I'm the only person that I can count on other than my family. But you know, you know what I'm saying? As far as money goes, I can count on what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to do. And that's why I want my own business. And that's why these entrepreneurs want their own business. Um, but, but man, find the thing that you're the best at and invest your time there and have somebody else help you with the things that you're not good at. And that's, to me, I'm, just, I'm trying to get things in that position so that I can sustain. I don't yeah. know if I answered your question or not. No, it's
0: so good, dude. It's so good. And I, I think the the thing I'm landing on is like, you're actually doing like how you said, I have friends on the outside looking in going like, this is a strange, strange, strange transition, but it's really not for you. Like when you say it like that, you go like, oh, like this is still something that's 100% on your shoulders. Like they're giving you yeah. maybe a framework and some guidance and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's on your shoulders to build this thing. So I go, Oh dude, this is the same thing. It's just like, it's a different appropriation of what it looks like. You're, you're in a different sandbox for sure. Yeah. But it's still the same, same things that you're playing with to make it all happen. And I think what was really cool, like when we connected was even for me, like you're helping me, like I'm, I'm obviously a little bit behind you in age, not much, but uh, just, just a pinch. And it was so cool because I felt like it was like a big brother, you know, saying like, Hey, have you guys thought about life insurance? You know, I was like, no, and not really. I mean, we've kind of had conversations with friends, but like, what, tell me about life insurance and your guidance and just saying like, Hey, if something happened to you or God forbid something happened to your wife, like, I want to help you think about. And so for me, like I, I look at, where you've gone. It's like, you've lit a torch in your life and it's through experience. Like you've had loss in your life. You've seen what happens when somebody doesn't have life insurance and how much of a burden it can put on a family and how painful, like grief is already painful enough. Like grief on top of now, you got to go be an entrepreneur. You got to go pioneer. You got to go figure, and that's not even your DNA. Now all of a sudden you have to figure that out. So I think for me, it's like, dude, you're, you're, you're leading people through something, a process that you're naturally gifted at by God to do. And so it's, it's a different sandbox, but the DNA you bring to it is still the same. Um, And the fact that you're guiding people, like if we use just the terminology of what you're doing from music industry to now, the terminology would be exactly the same, right? So you're helping people create, um, you're helping people create clarity and next steps in their lives and hope. I mean, it's the same language. And so for yeah. me, I'm like, dude, it's the same thing. Like it's totally the same thing. It looks different, <laughs> but it's, it's, you're in the same, you're in the same wheelhouse. And so I love it. And I would even love, like, I don't know if you're cool with this and we did not plan this. If you're listening or watching, but I would love for you to take a second specifically around life insurance. Like if there's somebody listening, who's an entrepreneur and they don't get a, uh, they're not on salary at some job and they're not whatever, but they're, they're making substantial income and they're taking care of their family, but they've never thought about life insurance. They've never thought about, well, something happened to me or something happened to my spouse. Like, would we be okay? Like, can you give us a, a little window into that world and, and maybe how they yeah. could connect with you?
1: Well, I'll, I'll tell you this and Pedro knows this, but, uh, for those of you listening, one thing I didn't share is, <clears throat> so my brother, uh, my big brother, is what got me into Christian music in the beginning. Like uh, he was several years older than me, I think like six, seven years older than me. And um, he was always listening to Christian music, hip hop music, rock music, all the Christian bands. So I knew them all from like the eighties and nineties. Like I was listening to them when he was listening to them. And he uh, used to be a sound technician for, for him. I don't know if you remember them, but that's old school, like, I don't know what you'd call it, CCM music, but he was on the road with them as a sound guy. And he really believed in me when I was 14, man. Like I'm, I'm talented guitar player and singer, but I'll tell you this much. It's not about your talent always. It's about your drive. And I, my drive is on like 10, my talent level. I feel like, and I'm not trying to downplay myself, but it's like about a six or a seven. Okay. But my drive is what, took me there in the grace of God. Thank you, Jesus. But uh, he, my brother believed in me, mm. this little bitty town in Jasper, Alabama, where there's, it's an old coal mining community. And here I am wanting to be a Christian rock guy. And everybody on the outside is like, well, you're going to have to learn how to get a job. You're like, you need a job. And my brother's like, you can do this. You can do this. I believe in you. And he, he uh like, man, the guy shed his blood, sweat, and tears for me to help get me into this. And he's the one that pushed me, you know, you do need to move to Nashville. You do need to do this. He, he always fed my dream. He always fed into it and believed in me. And so in 2014, he passed away from cancer. He, he got cancer uh, once before that and it was on it was melanoma and they did surgery and he was almost almost 5 or 6 years uh free from it and then he called me and i think it was no december uh of 2013 it was like hey man uh the cancer's back and he was like and it's it's bad it's stage 4 and so me the naive me i don't know if it was naivety but you just think well Dude, it's okay. I mean, I this sucks, but you're gonna get through this. We're gonna keep praying. We're gonna pray you through this, and this you're gonna be fine. This sucks. I hate that you're going through this. Um, it never really, it never really uh, was real to me that he might pass away. It wasn't, and I don't know if that was like a my brain like shutting that out, like this can't happen. It just. I don't think it was faith really. I think it was just too scared to face that option, that, 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 uh, reality. Uh, so, you know, I was on tour in the spring of 2014 and, you know, he was pretty sick. He was going to different places to get, uh, you know, to try to get treatment and stuff. And I was checking in every day, you know, you know, how's it going? Are you guys finding a doctor that'll give you any kind of treatment or whatever? And, uh, it wasn't looking good as far as that goes. And I remember talking to my mom – or no, it was my dad. I was talking to my dad. I was somewhere in Iowa uh, – no, uh, Idaho. It was way out there. And uh, my dad said, Jeremy, you need to come home. And I'm just like at "That – I'll never forget it. Like I just stopped and I was like, I- is it really that bad? He's like, yeah, it's that bad. You need to come home. And I'm in the middle of a tour, so – that was reality. Like I need to come home because we don't know how long he's going to make it. So I go home, you know, fly home and, you know, two, three weeks later, he's gone. And, you know, this was my, one of my best friends in the world, you know, my brother. So I, I told that story just because I think that whenever, uh, everybody feels like life is, you know, it's never going to end. And hopefully it won't for us. You know, hopefully we don't know that loss. Um, Hopefully you don't know that loss, you know. But the reality of it is I still, six years later or seven years later now, I can't, like there's some days and I, I see a picture of him. and I'm like, I, I can't believe he's not here. I do something, you know, or I'm listening to something and I pick up my phone and I think I'm going to text him. And he's not I can't, you know, so I'm saying all that not to bring the, this down, but I want you to know that you have to cherish every moment, every moment with your family, every time you leave the house, you know, and your kids are there. Take the, Take a second. Hug them. Kiss them. You don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You just don't. And uh you know, I don't want to be that guy that says, man, I wish I had spent more time with my kids or my kids say, I wish dad would have spent more time with me Mm because something happened and I didn't get a chance to say goodbye. Mm -hmm. So with life insurance, my brother had life insurance. He had a hundred thousand dollars life insurance, which some people think sounds like a lot. Um, his funeral was $22,000 and it was in a, just it was not fancy. There was flowers, there was, you know, his. it was not fancy. There was no, like, big expenses. It was $22,000. So now you have $78,000 left of your life insurance policy that paid out. And, you know, his wife, was she's a schoolteacher, and she loves her job so much, but she is not in a great school district. She's in a poor school district where she's even having to provide some of the, you know, the notebooks and, you know, pencils and stuff for the kids because they don't have money, you know, and the school's not providing. So she's just not making a lot of money. His daughter graduated high school the week before he passed away. And so all that money that he was earning was going to help her go to a college that she would, you know, it's there for her to do that. Um, all the money that he's making is there helping pay the house payment and all the bills. And all of a sudden, that income's gone. Just like that. And he's, he's gone, which sucks so bad. That's the worst part of it. And on top of that, you have all these financial pre- uh, stresses at that point. So what's the worst thing when you lose somebody? That's the worst thing you have that hole in your heart, you're hurting, you're mourning. But on top of that, you're having to think, okay, how am I going to pay the house payment this month? How's my daughter going to go to the school she wants to go to? Um, the bills just keep coming in. They don't stop just because you do. And so that when that happened to my family, like she had to, you know, she sold the house because it was – You know, it's too much money and too much for her to take on by herself. And I just tell people now, like, if something happens to one of the other of you, it's okay to to like sell your house and move to a smaller house. It's okay to decide you want to move back to Texas or California to be with family. But do that on your own terms, not because you have to because there was no money put in place. And so it's just something that every adult should have. And it's, if you've got young kids, it's even more important, yeah. right? Yeah. Because if you've got grown kids, then, okay, they can get a job. They can take care of themselves. It's not ideal. Uh, the, the wife or the husband can do what they got to do. But if you've got little kids, you're putting them it's, – it's not hurting you if you're the one that passed away hurting your, your family. It's hurting the ones that's left behind. They're the ones that suffer because you didn't take some of that money that you were spending on, uh, whatever it is. I just, this is embarrassing. I have a MailChimp, uh, a MailChimp uh, account that I used to spend over a hundred dollars a month on it because I had so many contacts in there yeah. and I scaled it back. And since the shutdown, I haven't really used it at all because there's nobody's booking shows. So (laughs) I've been paying $65 a month for that MailChimp account since the last time I used it was June or July. And I've been paying $65 a month. And every time I see that come out, I'm like, Oh man, I need to pause that account. Or so, I mean, there's things that you're spending money on. I just throw that, I'm throwing the money down the, the toilet every month. And I'm just yeah. like, what can that $65 buy? And mm. I'm not trying to sell you on that. I'm just telling you there's things that are important in your life that you got to spend money on. And there's things that you can do without That $65 a month. I was throwing away on that. I could have spent on something. I've got life insurance, so I don't need more. I've, I've got a ton. Well, everybody could use more, but yeah. Spend your money wisely. Take care of your family. Yeah. Invest in those things. Houses come and go, but your income, man, that's a big showstopper. If you're right. gone, right. your income is important to your kid. It's yep. important to your wife. So yep. there you go. I'm off my soapbox now.
0: No, dude, that was so good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this thought. And it's, yeah, I, th- I think there's two things, right, that stand out from what you said as we, as we shut this bad boy down. But this is so good. And I love the phrasing you, you said on this. You know, your brother, what was your brother's name? Kevin. Kevin. Kevin fed your dream. Yes. Right. He was a dream feeder. Your words were he fed my dream. So he was a dream feeder as entrepreneurs and leaders, but more importantly, as fathers over our homes, our responsibility is to be like Kevin is to be dream feeders. It's to feed the dreams of the people in our homes. It's not to feed our dream. It's to feed their dream. And quite literally, it's to feed them so that they can dream. (laughs) Yeah. And so what you're saying is, hey, be in a position in your life to be a dream feeder, whether you are here or whether you are gone. That's what we're here to do is to make sure that if if I take my last breath today, that I'm in a position to make sure that their dreams can still become a reality, even if I'm not here. And so I'm thankful for Kevin for feeding your dream, because if he hadn't fed your dream, I'm sure millions of lives wouldn't have been impacted on top of that. Uh, we would have never met. We probably never would have crossed paths. Or if we did, we would have not had the history, unknown history that we, we realized we had. And I'm glad we've connected. And if you're listening right now, podcast or, or on video, and you're like, yo, I would love to explore life insurance. Like, that's really cool. Like, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a creative, if you're a pioneer, if you're a mom, you're a dad, um, reach out to Jeremy. And we'll, we'll give all the info in, this, in the show credits and all that stuff. Like, literally just reach out. He's a buddy. He's a a normal guy sitting in his kid's room (laughs) and uh, he'll he'll make sure to be a dream feeder for you. Somebody that's making sure you can keep doing the stuff you're supposed to do. And you don't have to live with this looming fear of the what if you can live with the the reality of, well, even if, and that's a much better reality to live with, you know, every single day as you're taking your breaths and, and the idea isn't that we live in fear, right. Of all of this, it's that we're prepared for, The inevitable, you know, the two sure things in life are death and taxes. And, um, and I think it's okay to live uh, wise and prepared. It doesn't mean you're living fearful, you know, it means you're prepared. Like, you always probably went on stage with more than one guitar pick, you know, because the reality is, I'm gonna drop one. or (laughs) I'm gonna bust the string. I got backup guitars ready to go, already tuned, ready to rock. Of course, because it's preparation. No one would be like, "Oh, you're living in fear." It's like, no, I'm living prepared, so I can do the thing I'm here to do. So I can feed dreams, and so
1: I'm thankful for ask, your time. Let me ask you this: When you decided you were going to start speaking, um, uh, do you? It's anything like entrepreneurship. If you're, st- if you have a dream, a vision for something, if you're going to do it, you have to start somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. You can't say, okay, uh, I want to be a speaker. I'm going to go ahead and, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, get my, uh, book written right now. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and uh, book this 60 city tour. You have to have something to talk about, right? You have to, you have to prepare, right? And then you've, you set the foundation. Then there's the next step. Then there's the next step. You have to just continually build. Uh, otherwise it's not a, it's not a big firm foundation. It's like this yes. and this is going to fall. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So financial, it's the same thing with finances. Mm-hmm. If you're building a retirement, if you're building something for your family, you have to build it on a base mm-hmm. and life insurance. And it's not just for, it's not just for, you know, to take care of your family after you're gone. What if you're building a business And you've got employees and you've got a partner, um, but you've got no life insurance. So what happens if you pass away, then all of that is going to fall in because there's Mm. nothing there to catch that. It's a, Mm. it's a base to your financial picture. It's a Mm. base to your, your business that you're growing that you don't want to fall away just because you do, because that's still providing for your family. It's still, it's just part of it, man. It's not always, you know, the preparing for the worst case scenario and drab and dreary. It's like, Hey, this is going to be part, this is the financial foundation to this. Just like you're building your entrepreneur. Like if you're building a vision a business, you have to build it the right way. You can't jump in at the top. You have to jump in at the bottom, fill that foundation, then start building the walls. That's just one Oh one bro. One Oh one. 101 baby that's my (laughs) podcast you guys haven't heard of it but that's my
0: (laughs) the 101
1: the 101
0: with jeremy 101 with jeremy man i appreciate your time dude and i'm gonna put all your links in and stuff and I, i hope that there's some creatives and some pioneers on here who literally reach out to you and uh and say hey fill me in more on on what that would look like and taking some steps and and how do i do it and I think a lot of times there's this misnomer of like, I got to be at like some earnings status to like be able to make that phone call. It's like, nah, like if nothing else, just get educated, you know, get educated now and start learning. Uh, you know, you've educated my wife and I so well on that stuff. And we're going to be taking next steps on, on the life insurance stuff soon. And, um, you know, I wanted to learn first and then, and then, then lead, and so uh, I appreciate you helping us learn a little bit today, so we can lead a little bit better in every space—parenting, um, fathering, you know, being a good friend, being a pioneer, being a big dreamer and thinker. And um, so, so thank you for your time, man. I appreciate you,
1: man. Thank you so much. I hope that it was good. I hope people enjoy it. I hope people get something out of it.
0: It was good, man. It was so good. All right. Well, until next time, I'm gonna bring you on again. But until next time, we'll see you soon.
1: See ya. See ya.